quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Can you dig it? Oh, yes, guy. Was that a yes guy wink or what? Where did that go? Unbelievable, but. You have to because you witnessed it. You lived it. Yes, guy. Jim Taddy, Perry Lefko with you. Perry, how are you today, sir? Jim, I'm doing fantastic. How about you? Yeah, let me check. Everything's good here. Everything's good. Uh, so coming up in the broadcast today, we're going to have Kelsey Snow in a couple of minutes. She is the wife of Chris Snow, the assistant uh, general manager of the Calgary Flames. He has a battle with ALS. You remember a couple of weeks ago we had Mark Curtin on the former Leaf going through the same type of situation, although I'm sure they're slightly different. But we'll get into uh, Kelsey's uh, battle with this with her husband, and she's got some support mechanisms that she's developed that we're pleased to pass along. Uh, also, we're going to have uh, Zach Kindrachek on in the segment number two. He is the son of former NHLer Oris Kindrachek, and uh, he's got a, a podcast um, and uh, he's sort of a broadcaster. Well, he is a broadcaster, so he's going to have an interesting take on things. And then my lease partner, Dave Festcheck, will be by in segment number three. And, of course, segment number four, the obligatory yes guy, no guy. So this is a nice guest list, Barry. Thanks a lot. It's always nice to have guests from different backgrounds, varieties, and everything that helps the show. And I'm sure our listeners are happy about that. Okay, let me launch into this. Looking for the perfect holiday gift for the entrepreneur or student in your life? Head over to fox40shop.com to order a copy of Fox 40. Founder Ron Foxtrot's new book, The 40 Ways of the Fox. Net proceeds of book sales go to Liberty for Youth and City Kids, two organizations that do wonderful work in our community. Looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park Managing Broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage, has 26 award-winning years of real estate experience. So looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service for Charles Park and your corner, visit charlespark.ca or call or text them at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be outworked by anybody. And I just want to thank, Perry, all those people that helped us last week. We were on location in Vaughan at the um, Road uh, Hockey to Conquer Cancer event, and that, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was great doing it uh, you know, on site and being there with you and, you know, Getting to meet a lot of people and doing it for a great cause. Um, I hope sometime in the future we can do one of those things again. The old remote broadcast it was nice to be, uh, you know, inches away, and, and so we could uh, play off each other as opposed to the the uh, the, the setup that we have uh, now, and uh, and that's just the way it is. But uh, you know, we work through these things. Uh, so you know, and uh, my buddy Dave Festchuk, uh, very interested to get his take on on the lease. But he's he's a music guy, right? I mean, that's one of the reasons he's on the show. Yeah, Dave, I've known for a long time. Yeah, he has a background in music. I'm, you and I are both into music. We have different tastes, but uh, it's great to be talking to a guy in sports who's also into music. Different tastes. What, how would you describe your taste in music? I'm purely a 70s rocker guy. That's my era. Uh, I know people, musicians from the 80s, but I'm purely 70s. I will stand by that forever. All right, let's bring in our first guest, Kelsey Snow, wife of Chris Snow, assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames, and Chris has a battle with ALS. Uh, Kelsey, welcome. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you guys? They're very good. Thanks for stopping by. And uh, take us through, how is Chris doing? He's doing good. He's um, So about a year ago now, he got a issue because he had some, uh, well, he had a lot of atrophy to his swallowing muscles. 
but really since then, uh, you know, knock on wood and all of those things, we, we have seen pretty health for, for him for the last, really, the last better part of a year. So he's doing great. He's about to go in for the morning skate today, and we got a full day of kids hockey and flame talk, birthday parties, and, and all Hello? Do we? Yeah. Okay. I, I, oh. Yeah, I think there's some sort Sorry, of a disconnect I, I, there. Uh, so uh, that's okay. Yeah, so uh, take okay. us through so the original diagnosis. I, 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 I ask these uh, questions for information for those listening. So how did all this happen? Yeah. yeah I think we're having a problem here. So what, what we'll do is, uh, Ben, if you could reconnect with Kelsey because it's, um, yeah, we'll, we'll call her back. And, uh, it, you know, it's kind of awkward there off the top. And it's a very serious subject, so I don't want to mess around with that. So Kelsey Snow uh, will be by, uh, will be back with us, actually. She's the wife of Chris Snow, uh, diagnosed with ALS. He's the assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames. Uh, and uh, they actually met uh, while reporting, uh, you know, covering stuff and in, in, working in Boston. So uh, they've uh, he worked in Minnesota and then moved on to Calgary and has uh, been elevated to assistant general manager and continues to work. So uh, we're interested to, to – she's got some, some blogs and a podcast out to, you know, help her uh, – help people cope with things and, and herself as well and her family. She's got two kids. So uh, it's an interesting story that way, Perry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they met when he was working for the Boston Globe. She was an intern. Um, their relationship started. They have that – background of both being uh, in journalists and I'm really curious and interested to talk to her about her blog and and why she decided to go public with it okay Kelsey is back with us our, our apologies Kelsey and, and uh, just I want to sort of we, we restated things but but let's let's go back to the the original diagnosis how did all this come about just for information purposes for everybody else yeah sure can you guys hear me now is this working better yes yeah we're, we're okay. good Great. Awesome. Okay. So most ALS is sporadic, meaning there's no family history of the disease, but Chris's ALS is actually familial. Only about 10 to 15% of ALS is familial. And so he's actually lost two uncles um, to the disease, a 28-year-old cousin. And not even a year before he started having symptoms, his dad died of the disease. So we definitely knew more than most people what the disease looks like and what to be on the lookout for. And so when Chris started to have a little bit of sort of intermittent numbness in a couple of the fingers on his right hand. Um, this is back in um, 2019. You know, we, we right away were saying to the doctors, this could be this. And even then, they didn't think necessarily that's what it was. But uh, because of, of that, Chris was diagnosed very quickly. Most people aren't diagnosed for at least a year with ALS because it's a process of elimination diagnosis. But for us, Chris was diagnosed very quickly and um and that and allowed us also to join a really promising clinical trial uh for his specific type of ALS the mutation that causes his ALS and he's been in that since July of 2019 and and we firmly believe um that that is why Chris is is doing so well today um and why you know we still have such a high quality of life Kelsey, I mentioned just before when we re, before we reconnected with you about mm-hmm. your background um, in journalism, Chris's background in journalism, how you met in Boston, and I'm wondering if the fact uh, you've gone very public with it is it because you want to express your ability as a writer, as a journalist, um, to sort of get the word out there? Yeah, I think that there were a couple reasons for me writing um, 
before we went public with Chris's diagnosis, because it was it was quite a few months after he was diagnosed before we kind of told everybody um, publicly, I was already writing. I had already realized that that it was a very cathartic thing for me to process all these sort of very big emotions that I was going through. So I started sort of writing just for myself in that way. And then on top of that, you know, ALS is a disease that that is so hard to go through and so quickly fatal that a lot of people who are going through it don't get the chance to advocate the way they would maybe want to, you know, for research and for awareness, just because it's, it's such an all consuming and, and, you know, very insidious and and horrible disease. Um, The, the focus when people are sick is, is, is on the disease and not on, you know, kind of spreading the word. And so because also of Chris's job, uh, with the flames, we knew that we would have a, a bigger platform than a lot of people, and we wanted to do our best to use that um, to use that platform in any way we could. You know, I also read where uh, you know Chris continues to play shinny a few times a week. You help tie up his skates and mm-hmm. to continue to play baseball with your son. Chris learned to pitch with his opposite arm. So clearly, this is a thing that has been a uh, not just you and him, but it's been an entire family a thing to deal with. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't have somebody go through something like this and not have it impact uh, everybody in the family. You know, this ALS families are ALS families for a reason. These diseases don't happen in a vacuum. They don't happen just to the person going through them. They happen to the people caring for them and and the people who love them and, and for our kids, you know, because Chris has lost very visible things. They have had to have a pretty, you know, a pretty good understanding of what's going on and because you know it didn't take them long either to kind of say i mean i think it was our son who at one point said daddy is this the same thing that grandpa bob died of and so they understand to the family history um element of it and and that dad's different than everybody else in his family because he's able to get this medicine but yeah this is a family thing we talk about als all the time um we talk about how dad's doing all the time and how we're doing how how dad's how, how dad's ALS affects all of us. Uh, Kelsey, take us through your, your blog and your podcast specifically and, and how people can, uh, I guess, have access to them and, and how they've evolved. Yeah, so I was a journalist when I met Chris, uh, and I covered the Minnesota Twins for five years before we moved to Calgary, um, right around the time that our son was born, and we've lived in Calgary now for a decade. Uh, But so I was already a writer, and and I had kind of started a blog that was, I didn't use it a whole lot, and then then when Chris was diagnosed, we realized, you know, we wanted to tell this story and share, and share this story publicly. So I started just kind of writing about how I'm, how I process this, how we're all processing this on my blog, which is KelseySnowWrite.com. And, um, and then at that point, you know, after writing for a while, I kept getting messages from people saying, you know, you're writing how I feel, but I haven't been able to say out loud. And I just sort of realized we have, you know, there, we don't have enough spaces where we're talking about these things and people have a real desire to feel connected in their grief and the things that they're going through, their losses and their trauma. And that was when I decided to start the podcast, which was, I guess that'll be a year ago in February um, that I started the podcast, which is called Sorry, I'm Sad. And on the podcast, Chris and I um, do interviews, like do conversations together where we're talking about our own story and and different parts of this uh, sort of journey for us individually. And then I've talked to um, other people, you know, who are going through their own things or who have gone through their own things um, about their grief and mental health, um, you know, 
death of a loved one, death of a child, things like that. So, um, you know, it's just really about trying to form a community to let people know that we aren't out there alone in our hard things. You know, people were going through some, when one of their partners or family members going through some kind of a sickness or a disease, the focus is usually on that person. But in my own experiences and things I've learned the last few years, it's also about caregivers. So how do you <laughs> feel about being a caregiver and how do you stay strong? Yeah, I mean, I feel very lucky to be a caregiver in the way that I am right now because my life really hasn't changed a whole lot. You know, I feed Chris um, through his feeding tube because that's hard to do one-handed. So I, I take on most, because he doesn't have any use of his right hand. Um, so I take on most of that role, um, and I'm really the researcher. I'm the one who's kind of finding all the information. Uh, at the same time, I can go and and do things on a daily basis. Like he doesn't require a lot of care from me. And that's very different than a lot of ALS caregivers, you know, 29 months into diagnosis, which is where we are at right now. So not to say it's not overwhelming sometimes, and it doesn't feel like you've lost bits of yourself. And I think I, when I've had those sorts of struggles, and I really did have some of those struggles early in the fall this year where I felt pretty isolated and alone. Um, and then I just have to sort of reevaluate, okay, what can I do to fix this? Can I, you know, I started taking a tennis lessons with my friend, with a couple of my friends, and I started to have, you know, plan more, you know, thoughtfully time with people that I love outside of just, you know, my family um, and things like that. So, and, you know, therapy, consistent therapy is something that's very important if you can get to it. I think the hard thing for people in the real, real nitty gritty of caregiving for people who are very sick is that there isn't a lot of opportunity to do those things. And, and that's when it gets harder. And that's when you need help from the outside. Well, you mentioned that before, uh, you know, when you met Chris early on, he told you about, you know, how ALS runs in his family. So I, he yeah. kind of prepared you for it. But when it actually did happen, were you ready or is it, it was it still a surprise? You know, when Chris told me that, he had lost one uncle to the disease at that point. And it, and we were very young. And you know how you are when you're very young. I met Chris when I was in my early 20s. He feel a bit invincible. And uh, and then as the years went on, he lost another uncle. Um, and then he lost his cousin. When he lost his cousin, it felt very scary uh, because his cousin was so young. And he died 18 months after being diagnosed. Um, and then when he lost his dad, like it, it just felt like this disease was stalking us, right? Um, and and so when he was diagnosed, you no, know, certainly at no point ready for it. It felt it feels so unfair for one family to go through so much just devastating loss, um, all sort of boom, 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 boom. Um, no, I don't think you're ever ready for something like this. There's no way to prepare yourself for it. Kelsey, I'm just going to uh, pump out your uh, your blog and podcast on the way out. KelseySnowWrites.com. Sorry I'm sad is the podcast. And uh, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate you sharing. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. Our pleasure. Kelsey Snow, uh, wife of Chris Snow, the assistant general manager of the Calgary Flames, uh, battling uh, Chris's ALS, and you see the support from his wife. And, and again, go to the blog, KelseySnowWrites.com, or Sorry I'm Sad is the podcast. Uh, very strong stuff. Coming up next, we're going to have Zach Kindrichuk. He's the son of Oris Kindrichuk, who played in the 70s with the Flyers, Penguins, and Washington, mostly with the Flyers. 
And on the way out, if you're an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage, contact Charles Park, managing broker, REMAX West Realty Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. For a confidential interview, call 647-292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.net. Ready for the hockey season? Shop the Fox 40 Call, the official whistle of the NHL at fox40shop.com. The call is used by all NHL officials in every game and is named after the late legendary NHL official John McCauley. Use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. This is YESGUY on TSN 1050. Be heard outdoors with a Fox 40 electronic whistle, 100 decibels at the press of a button. Buy yours now at fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your order. This segment is sponsored by Herb Braley, Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 30 years of experience, Herb's going to help you do what you want to do with your money and get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial Clarity and Comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Yes, Guy, Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Please have with us now Zach Kindrachuk and his father, Orist, played in the NHL. Ten-year run, 72-82, to 82, mostly with the Flyers, some with Pittsburgh and a bit with Washington. Zach, how are you today, sir? Good morning, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. I'm doing quite well. Uh, okay, so tell us about your podcast. This is fascinating. Yeah, so it's uh, it's an NHL alumni podcast. It's called My Dad Used to Play Hockey, um, which has a, a couple of meanings. And uh, I basically got it started just to force my dad to call his old teammates uh, to make sure that he stayed in touch. And then it kind of turned into something where I realized there's a lot of guys that still have great stories uh, to tell, and there's a lot of people that still want to hear them. Well, Zach, I've always wondered, what's it like being the son of a hockey player? You know, just being that experience of being around other players in the dressing room. What, what was that like? Uh, there's great things about it, and then there's less great things about it. Uh, the great thing about it is, like you just mentioned, you get to be around the players. It's fantastic. Like the, the people that I was able to meet at such a young age, the autographs I was able to collect, the access I had. I mean, there's, I, I can't complain about any second that I spent you know, autograph hounding or, or meeting Mario Lemieux. Like, those were just some of the best days of my life. Um, the downside of it, and the reason the podcast is called, one of the reasons the podcast is called My Dad Used to Play Hockey, is that you end up having a lot of people become your friend so they can get tickets. Um, so I always, I always kind of hesitated to tell anybody that my dad used to play hockey just to make sure oh, let's be friends because you like me first, and then uh, we'll go ahead and get you Dave Poole and to sign something. So you've been in the radio business. You've been a host. You've been a producer. I have to know, how did you prepare for interviewing your dad? Oh, that was easy. Uh, I mean, I really very little research because I've heard all the stories. So basically what it was was making sure he doesn't tell the boring ones. So just navigate him towards the most interesting aspects of, of his career. And that was, that was the fastest hour I've done so far. Uh, that episode came out on Father's Day, and that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, just making sure that he stays, stays on track. Because, again, I know the stories. So in, in terms of preparation, it was basically turning on the microphone. I'd be fascinated. I mean, what are the, what are the, is there a common thing that all these guys talk about? I know they had some fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. They teammates, 
That's definitely, they all have great stories about their teammates, especially, you know, it boils down to a handful of those that you keep in touch with. That's what I like to hear. Um, you know, I just spoke to Tiger Williams and him talking about his close relationship still with Butch Goring and, and Brian Trottier, or if I talk to some of the Broad Street Bullies, so many of them stayed in the area of, you know, in, in South Jersey around the Philly, Philly area. To hear them talk about what it means to hear from one another and to get together, that's what I love. You know, here you are 40 years later, and you're still hearing from some of these guys you know, multiple dozen times a year. So I think it's Brad. fascinating. Everybody who goes through some sort of a, a reunion uh, has this experience where you, once you're around the people from 40 years ago or whatever, you, you assume or reassume that, that original chemistry, don't you? You do. That is a funny thing. You know, my, even if you don't speak to a guy for five years, and I'm sure everybody has friends like this, it's like you, just, you pick up like you just spoke yesterday. And when you, you, when you go through something like that, I think especially, too, if you either have a deep playoff run or beyond that, you want to stand the cup with one another. Uh, Fred Shiro, this is a quote that I bring up quite often. Fred Shiro, coach of the Flyers, once said, win today and we will walk together for, forever. And I think that that formed a, a sort of friendship that few of us can really understand and a friendship that will stand the test of time and then stay, also stand the test of absence. So guys that don't speak for five or six years even, once they see each other, again, they're, they're right back in the uniforms in 1975. So you're around all these players. They're your dad's teammates. I'm sure if you're in the dressing room, they're having fun with you, all that. So what's it like when you see these guys all of a sudden turn into the Broad Street Bullies with Moose DuPont, Don Seleski, Hound Dog Kelly? I mean, they threw fear into every team that they played. Yeah, that's strange to me because I know the, you know, everyone was a de facto enforcer on that team, but David Hammer Schultz is one of the kindest, nicest people that I've ever met. I just spoke to Moose DuPont. He's coming on the show two days ago. He's got, he, he again, just an absolute gentle giant. Um, everybody that threw fists, everybody that stared toe to toe with Terry O'Reilly or whoever it was, when you see them off the ice, um, they are just, they're so mild manner. I think the greatest example for me is Dave Brown, who I would argue is probably pound for pound, the greatest fighter I've ever seen on the ice. And the first time I met him, he was like reading a book with glasses on. I'm like, this doesn't add up. Uh, that it is a strange <laughs> dichotomy to see the bullies off the ice because off the ice, it's just Don and Terry and Bernie. And then it's only when they put the uniforms on that they become something ferocious. Did you ever have a chance to talk to the sign guy who became just as famous as the players? <laughs> That's hilarious that you – that is probably the most suggested guest um, of someone that – and he's still there. Still there making signs. Um, if you don't know the story, this, this, this guy became legendary for kind of quirky, funny little signs. Um, and he's been, he's been going to the Spectrum, now the Wells Fargo Arena, for over, well over 40 years. And, yeah, I do absolutely intend to track him down. I, I don't know if a sign guy would be good radio. Just just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a shorter segment. I think it would be highlight the signs from past years, and then you're right. <laughs> Maybe five, six minutes at the longest. Well, the the guy that uh, that I worked with, uh, like he appeared on, on a show I was doing uh, maybe about 10, 15 years ago that I was really impressed with, with Dave Schultz. I mean, he knows how to handle himself around a microphone. He does. 
they all got pretty comfortable with it. But you're right. Dave Schultz was the first guest I had on the podcast. And he was tremendous, very open, very revealing. Um, but Dave, she, you know, Schultz especially became such a regional celebrity. Uh, during the Flyers. I don't know if you know this, Jim, but he actually had a, a number one regional pop song called Put Me in the Penalty Box. So you talk about being comfortable on a microphone. He actually went to a music studio and recorded a song. Well, he That's did stand-up, did he? Song. What's that? Did he do stand-up? Yes. Well, he stood up and told jokes. Is that the same thing as stand-up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, who was not going to laugh? I mean, it was the hammer. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever have a chance to read the book Stan Fischler wrote with Dave Schultz and the fact that it was Stan Fischler was a very big critic of of Schultz? I mean, that was one of the biggest ironies of book publishing. Dave is writing another book right now. And, yes, uh, it's been many years, to be honest, Perry, but... uh, I, I read it already knowing Dave was not a huge fan of, of the book. And Dave has his own narrative and own story he wants to tell, and that's what he's currently working on. So you, most books that come out like that you know, are, are fluff pieces, and that really wasn't. Um, were there some things that he said that Dave didn't like that were true? Absolutely. But also there's a lot that he left out and a lot of context that he left out. Dave, Dave, I love Dave because you think, ah, oh, here's just a goon, an enforcer. Uh, his only job is to go out there and punch another guy in the face. But there's many layers to this man, and uh, I think that he sort of wants to reveal that and, and put it down in his own words. Okay, so you're a radio guy. Can you give me a radio version of how you would interview somebody? Would you project, or would you just lay it like, lay it like you're doing it right now? Oh, you mean do I talk differently? Yeah. Oh no, I don't put I don't put on a voice. No, that sounds too exhausting. Uh, I I and I just I was never trained to do that. And then there would be no consistency to it because I wouldn't remember the other voice, the other broadcast voice that I would put on. So it would change all the time. So this what you're hearing with the way I'm speaking right now is the way I'm always talking. It works for me, so I, I think uh, I'm going to have to check this podcast out. Thanks, Zach. Please do. I appreciate you both. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. Thank you very much, Zach Kinderchuk. At Dad Played Hockey is the Twitter account, and I've got a uh, sort of something I want to throw at you on the way out, Perry. But first, I have to do this. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at one eight seven 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 three four three zero five five or visit his website BraleyAdvisors.com. With thirty years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money and get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Incorporated. And looking for the perfect holiday gift for the entrepreneur or student in your life, head over to fox40shop.com to order a copy of Fox 40, founder Ron Foxcroft's new book, The 40 Ways of the Fox, Net Proceeds for Book Sales, Go to Liberty for Youth and City Kids, two organizations that do wonderful work in our community. So, Perry, and I hope that Ben has the drummer ready, if, if we had the sign guy on our show, we could call him Caption Obvious. Yes, guy. Uh, okay, there we an okay go. guy, but you have given me. I'm going to reach out to him see if we can get him on the show. 
Well, he's been mentioned the last two shows, so I think he's uh, like part of the uh, the fiber here. We'll see. Okay, you do that. This is Yes Guy on TSN 1050, live on your radio, live streaming and podcasting, and on demand on Apple CarPlay and Android Auto through the iHeartRadio Canada app. Segment number three of Yes Guy, the radio show. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact him on Twitter at MTGDean. Visit his website, DeanRomani.com, or give him a call at 416-885-1761. We now bring in from the Toronto Star and multiple roles on TSN 1050, Dave Festchuk. Dave, how are you today, sir? Doing very well, gentlemen. Nice to hear your voice. How's it going on your end? Uh, everything's good here. Perry's having problems, but that's not uh, that's nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, Perry mentioned your your music. Uh, t- tell us about your musical tastes. Oh, my musical tastes. It's funny, guys. I was just cleaning up my basement, and uh, you know, I was, I was I've been into the collectibles thing lately. I've been writing a bunch of stuff about ticket collectibles and the rest of it. So I've been talking to collectible collectors. And so they've been telling me how much rock and roll memorabilia is worth. Like, apparently, like these concert T-shirts. If you have a vintage concert T-shirt that's in decent shape from a popular band, you can get like hundreds of dollars for these things as long as you haven't like turned it into a rag that you wash your car with. Um, so I've been going through my basement trying to find some of my old stuff, and I found one of my great prize prize possessions, which is a broken drumstick. Uh, from the drum kit of the great Neil Peart, the late great Neil Peart. May he rest in peace. But I picked that up off the floor at the Buffalo Odd back in, I don't even know, I think it was the first concert I ever went to as a kid. I was a teenager and just blown away by the the, the obligatory, whatever it was, five or six minute Neil Peart drum solo. So that that was one of my early uh, reminiscences about uh, rock and roll, boys. Dave? The intro music for you is Enter Sandman by Metallica. Perhaps one of my favorite songs of all time. Are you into Metallica? Man, if you play it loud enough, I'm in anything. Like, I, I, I do my... It's funny how things change. Like, my, my parents used to get mad at me for playing music too loud in my room and stuff. And and now it's like, when I... In, in the car, like, my son, this, this younger, softer generation that we're raising thinks I play music too loud. So it's, it's funny how it goes. I, I really like loud rock and roll, and, and it's, hard to beat, it's hard to beat the thump of a good Metallica tune, Perry. I, I want right. to go back to the, the, the shirts, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the concert T-shirts. How would you be able to prove they're original? Great question. You've got to get it authenticated. I guess if you're going to sell it for enough, like there's some on here that I, I was looking through eBay the other day. Like if you got like early 90s uh, Nirvana stuff or obviously if you got the really old stuff if you got the you know the big the big bands like Stones from you know the 60s and um you know the, the the really big rock bands from any time you can sell it for a lot but you know there's clearly guys who know what they're looking at know what they're looking at when they're when they're selling and buying them for that much Jim and and there's uh, there's authenticators for everything I've come to understand you can get almost anything authenticated these days uh, if you want to pay a price for it. And if you're selling it for a lot, I'm sure uh, if you're buying it for a lot, you better know what you're buying. So, Dave, there was a song called I'm an Adult Now by The Pursuit of Happiness, the Toronto-based band. Now that you're yeah. an adult now, do you see things differently in your musical taste? Funny, I'm an adult now by The Great Pursuit of Happiness. Mo Berg, he's, he's, you know, I see him walking around my neighborhood quite a bit. He seems to be a Raptors fan. He's always wearing a Raptors hat. 
uh, great songwriter uh, of the neighborhood and you know a Canadian uh, indie indie pop history, I guess you'd say. But you know what? I, I got I, I'm one of these boring guys. I, like I really do almost like anything. Like I'm not really uh, you know averse to anything. Like I you know I like pop music. I like jazz, a little bit of jazz. I'm, I'm a bit of a Thelonious Monk guy, so Nick Nurse is, of course, a huge Thelonious Monk guy, uh, jazz piano. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I'm a rock and roll kid that, you know, I grew up playing in rock bands, playing, you know, guitar. And and so uh, I don't know if my – I don't think my taste has changed. In fact, uh, I probably listen to a, a wider variety of stuff now, Perry, than I did when I was a kid. And I, I got a little bit into the snobby – indie rock scene where I didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, deal with anything that was popular because uh, popular wasn't cool back in those days. Uh, we used to, you know, we used to make fun of bands for selling out and selling out arenas, even though, you know, now that you look back, it's crazy because I don't think this generation, you know, the, the generations that have come since don't see being popular as a downside. Uh, it's funny how we used to look at it that way uh, in the, in that nineties rock scene. You know, Dave, I'm with you. A good song is a good song. I don't care, uh, you know, what the background on it is or, or what, what category you want to put it in. It's, it's just a good song. I'm, I'm interested in your take on this because I struggle with this. Um, the remixes of, of classic songs uh, where, you know, in some cases the drums and, and the bass are, are pumped uh, that weren't noticeable before, um, and, and I struggle with that. And I also struggle with the 50-year uh, anniversary uh, multi-pack CD, and I, I have watched uh, CD uh, DVDs where the director's cut, and it kind of ruins the movie. So what, what's your take on all those uh, extraneous cuts? I know why they're done. They're put out for copyright purposes, but... but is it is it a, a viable market? Yeah, you know, I, I've never been one of those guys that, like, as much as I love a band, even like I was a, I was a big uh, REM fan back in the day. But you know, like, I, I don't want to listen to like their fifteen demos of of uh, this song or that song. I, I saw some of the stuff that the this new Beatles "Let It Be" thing that came out with. Uh, I guess it was remixed by. George Martin's son, uh, the, the old Beatles producer, and, and I was listening to some of the tracks on it, and they're just kind of they're throwaway studio, you know, outtakes, I guess. And I guess anything that has, you know, the Beatles' voices on it is, is I guess, by definition, worth something. But I, I'm with you, Jim. Like, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of just the, the just the little tidbits and the and the extra remixes and the 15 different versions of this song and that song. Um, and, and frankly, I'm not a big fan of, of covers of classic, classic songs. Like to me, you know, the worst thing you can do as an artist is cover a song that's already been done really well. To me, the great covers are the covers that you don't know are covers that, you know, that are, that are covers of a song that maybe hasn't reached its potential. Uh, you know, you know, I guess nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor pops to mind. You know, that was a Prince, that was an old Prince demo, I guess, that, that she covered and made it her own, as they say, on, on American Idol. But, um, yeah, I think you know, I'm, I'm all for, you know, you know, anything, I guess. I mean, I've, I've never tell an artist what to do, but if I, if they ask me for advice, I'd, I'd lead them that way. First, an editorial comment. The best cover I ever heard was Johnny Cash doing Hurt by Nine Inch Nails. Got that out of the way. I have to ask you a very serious question. The Yes Guys show is nearing its one-year anniversary. It is taking me so long to understand Jim Taddy. You've only been doing it a short while. What's your psychology? <laughs> well, first of all... Tell yes, me. First of all, Yes Guy, Yes Guy, uh, Johnny Cash, hurt. I mean, and it has to come with the video. The video is an absolute work of genius. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Perry. Uh, the psychology of Jim Caddy. I mean, that is uh, uh, much, much higher pay grade individuals will need to unravel the psychology of the great Jim Taddy. But uh, I do know he's litigious. So do not go around using Yes Guy on anybody's show but the Yes Guy show. <laughs> I'm on it, that's for sure. If you could figure me out, let me know, because I've never been able to figure myself out. I just uh, sort of bebop from scene to scene. Um, so I, I also originally asked you about the remix. Uh, if you heard a song, so you got into this with covers, uh, it, 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 tend, it, it tends to go this way. The first time you hear a song from an artist, even if you don't know it's a cover, you accept that version. So let's do that with a remix. If you hear a remix from a song that's maybe 40 years old and, and they, they're altering stuff or, or maybe just adding things that, that were uh, sort of uh, potted down in the past, do you like the remix version or will you always go with the original? I don't know. Like, I guess I heard that. Like, you hear that in exercise classes a lot, right? Like, not that I've been to the gym very often in the pandemic era, but I, yeah, you'd often hear these dance remixes of classic songs where they just get that, you know, that thumping beat behind it so that you can, you know, do a spin class to it or whatever. And yeah, I guess I'd be a no guy on that for sure because I'm, you know, it's a, you know, you don't really need to me, you know, like that's not necessary. There's plenty of good dance music that has those types of beats. You don't need to throw, uh, you know, a great Beatles song on top of that or, or whatever it is. So I'm with you. I mean, re- remixes. I, although I did grow up in that era, Jim, where you, you'd actually go to the import shop and buy like and buy yeah. these 12-inch extended singles of songs. And, and I, I fell for that a few times. And, and sometimes there'd be good stuff on there. Uh, you know, whatever. I, I don't even remember that many of the of the of the great ones, but you know, but but when you look back at it, that was in an era where artists could actually make money, you know, selling physical copies of music, which is which we've gone away from, right? Where you really can't do that anymore. There, I guess there is still a vinyl market out there, but it's not a big market. It's not not the kind of market that used to be there. So, um, yeah, I, I think I, I think I'm with you on the remix. Okay, very quick question. ABBA's come on with their first album in 40 years, a two-part question. Would you consider buying it? And second of all, is it cool to admit you like ABBA? I think it's cool. I think it's, uh, you know, I, I listened to a couple of the, those new tracks they had. I haven't listened, I guess there's a new record out yet. I, I didn't even realize it was out because I, I saw the uh, the first couple of singles that came out and, and, and I thought they sounded pretty pretty darn good. Um, so, no, I, I, I think ABBA is very cool. I got great memories of listening to ABBA. I was my, I think it was my mom's favorite record actually. So I guess I didn't think it was cool as a kid because my mom wore you know some of those ABBA records out. But uh, I do think it's cool now, and it's you know I think they still got some songwriting chops from what I what, what I've heard so far. Where, where are you on that one, Perry? I already got the album. I was first in line. Couldn't wait. Okay. <laughs> you bought the, you I'm bought Dancing the Queen. It's my favorite song of all time. Right. Oh, you're saying this in mocking tones. Is that what you're saying? Sort of mocking, but not really. I, I do actually like their music, and I think it, it gets a bad ride sometimes. Well, hey, man, look, is, is there uh, a know, bigger... I, think, I don't know if there's a, a more popular band on the planet. When they were at their height, I'm not sure there was anybody that was even touching them in terms of uh, the number of the number of plays that those, those records were getting. So uh, I got a lot of respect for those, those uh, suites. Dave, you know, I want to thank you for your time. And on the way out, let me warn you that I've been to Perry's house, and the disco ball is still there, sadly. <laughs> oh, yes, guy. 
I can see that. Thanks a lot, Dave. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, gentlemen, have a great yeah, day. Uh, thank you. Well, he walks around the house with two cans of paint. You know, that's a dated reference. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back and play Yes Guy, No Guy next. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani. He specializes in mortgage financing for purchases, refinances, home equity line of credit, and private lending. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTG Dean. Visit his website, DeanRomani.com, or give him a call at 416 885 1761. This is Yes Guy on TSN 1050. Yes Guy, No Guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers, time now for the fully sanctioned and uh, trademark registered Yes Guy radio show edition of Yes Guy, No Guy. Go ahead, sir. Chairman Fox, named after Ron Foxcroft, raced at Woodbine Friday. He lost again. Is there anything we can do to perhaps get Chairman Fox over the finish line, or Chairman Ron? Yeah, yes, guy, absolutely. Just keep betting on the horse. Eventually, it's going to find its level and win. So, yes, guy, there is something we could do. We could be supportive, guy. How about you? I like that, being supportive. Good idea, man. Yeah. Okay, yes, guy, no guy. Grey Cup fever is starting to build. No, guy. <laughs> keep pushing this, man. <laughs> Let it breathe. Let it let it just have some aroma to it, okay? So, no, guy, you're getting way too excited, all right? Oh, uh, yeah, okay, guy. Whatever, guy. Go ahead, sir. The whole thing with Aaron Rodgers is just terrible. Here's a guy that didn't get vaccinated but left himself unprotected around other people. The NFL should do something about this. Well, I guess I'm going to uh, uh, try to avoid a massive uh, d- debate. Uh, whatever the NFL policies were, if he followed them, uh, if he followed them, they should leave him alone. If he didn't, they should do something about it. That's the political answer. So I'm going to say, no guy, and defer to whatever the policies of the league are. How's that? Uh, it's very uh, political. I think you have a job in politics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, guy, no guy. The Raptors are the most exciting sports ticket in Toronto. <laughs> You're the greatest man when you come up with these yes guy, no guys. <laughs> No, they're not. I'm going to give you the most wow. exciting Toronto team, the Argos, okay? Let's get on the Argos, the Argos bandwagon. If you want to get on the Grey Cup bandwagon, okay? Yeah. Okay, well, that's your opinion. I disagree. I think the Raptors are very exciting to watch, win or lose. There's, it's a fascinating team to watch. And, and Pascal expected to play Sunday afternoon, so now the roster gets deeper in a hurry. Fascinating Oh, yes, stuff. guys. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I want to reiterate the seconds. question last one, okay? Will you, are, will you yeah. buy the ABBA album? Is it cool to like ABBA? It's, it's a two-part. Uh, yes, guys, cool to like ABBA. No, no guy will not buy the album. Uh, ABBA is in the past, and if I want to uh, listen to them, I have the audio files. So, so no guy and yes guy all in one. So that's why it's yes guy, no guy. Quickly here, yes guy, no guy. Scotty Barnes is the best Toronto rookie ever. <laughs> Hyperbole at its finest, Jim. No, he's not the best rookie yeah. ever. Dave Keon was the best rookie ever. Wendell Clark, where are you going with this? I'm going out. That's where we're going with this. Thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Yes Guy. Yes, yes Guy! <laughs> <laughs>